Hey there everybody and welcome to the Biathlon Podcast. It was rainy and miserable over in southern Germany, but the fans came out in their numbers anyway and they were rewarded with some great biathlon. We've got all of those races coming up, as well as two athletes retiring before their time and more young Norwegians to watch from the IBU Cup. So without further ado, let's get to it. So thanks for joining me, everybody. We've got some great races to look forward to, some pretty dominant performances on the men's side, but I think the women's mass start gave us maybe the best race of the season so far. I think I still might give it to that Annecy sprint uh, with Magnuson winning and Chavot getting the fans hyped, but it was a great race in the mass start. I'll be recapping all the action, and as always, I've got my weekly awards. We've got all the action over in the IBU Cup corner and my best bets for this week's races over in Antolts. If you do want to get in touch, as always, you can on the Facebook page, or you can email me at thebiathlonpodcast at gmail.com. Also looking to set up a Twitter page as soon as I can, so look out for us there too. Before we get down to the breakdowns, let's have a little news. And unfortunately, it's uh, pretty much sad news all around, because I'm going to start off with two retirements. The first of which, on the Italian women's team, uh, we've seen the last race that we're going to see from Federica Sanfilippo. And there's uh, a little bit of drama tied up in this retirement as well, because all is not well in that Italian camp, if uh, if Instagram is to be believed, and my translation is to be believed as well. Um, but yeah, Federica Sanfilippo quitting biathlon, not quitting athletics uh, as a whole, though. She's going to devote herself to cross-country skiing. Uh, we did see her in the Tour de Ski, of course, earlier this year. Um, in terms of sort of how this came about, though, it's uh, all down to her exclusion from the World Cup team that's going to be racing this week on home snow, of course, in Antolt. Um, She was told this in Rupolding, basically saying that she realised she no longer had a chance and that the younger athletes in the team were going to be prioritised. Um, she said her exclusion was a shock. And the following hours were very difficulty, uh, very difficult. Sorry, she said not easy to feel excluded, and she had to make the most difficult decision of her career. Um, and obviously, San Filippo, not a name that you know might be standing out to you week in and week out, but she's had a great career in biathlon. Second place uh, all the way back in uh, 2015 uh, in the Osterson Sprint. Uh, we've seen her get top tens in World Championships in Hot Filsen 2017. And obviously just been a been a key part of the Italian women's relay team for so many years now. Uh, still only 32, so, you know, still got some good years ahead of her. It's not like she's retiring uh, at, what, at the end of her career, as you might see it there. Um, but yeah, shame to see the back of, uh, of San Filippo winning on the IBU Cup Tour this year. So still in good form. Uh, the drama, though, kind of comes... Uh, in terms of what Dorothea Vera said uh, on the matter, uh, this is translated, so I hope this uh, does it justice. Um, but what Vera posted to Instagram, she said, it's not easy for me to accept what happened to you, uh, referring to San Filippo. I don't think you deserve to be treated like this, and I don't think you've got the chances you deserved. Those running things now never liked you, and a different outcome couldn't have happened. I'm very, very saddened and disappointed. Our dream was to do the Olympics at home together, and that can't happen anymore. Our dream has been shattered. I'm sure you'll find a way to be appreciated and show your true worth. 
So pretty strong words from Vera there, you've got to say. Um, taking a real shot at the coaches. And, yeah, it's uh, sort of calls into question, I think, the future that Vera has in this Italian team. Uh, you mentioned in her post there that the dream was to uh, be in the Olympics together uh, in San Filippo uh, in 2026. But that's now not going to happen. There's been speculation about whether Vera might have even retired before this season. Uh, and it does make me wonder if maybe this is the uh, this might be the last season that we see Vera at the World Cup level. In terms of the, the Italian team, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad call for them to move San Filippo on in the relay team. Um, if you look at the, the sort of younger Stars that are coming through, got Samuela Camola, of course, uh, alongside Rebecca Passler, uh, Hannah Alcantara in the IBU Cup level. She won this uh, this week, as uh, as I look at in IBU Cup corner. But there are young athletes coming through, um, and maybe you know the the older guard. If Vera sees herself as part of that, her and San Filippo, maybe it's uh, maybe she f- might feel like it's time for her to uh, to move aside as well. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a schism here in terms of the Italian team with Fitozzi and, and, and the younger athletes uh, on one side and, and Vera, Vera on the other. So, you know, that's all just speculation from me. I'm, I'm only reading the Instagram post there and, and speculating myself. But, uh, but yeah, bit of a bit of drama here in the Italian team. And it'll be interesting to see where this goes um, from Vera's side, at least. Um, San Filippo retiring, not the only retirement we've had, though, because uh, Canada's Jules Binot has also said he's going to step aside. Only 26 years older. This one, a real shock, I think, um, to the sort of Canadian fans. I don't know. I know you're out there. Let me know how you feel about this. Um, but Binot, 69 starts uh, at the World Cup level, has decided to to step aside. Um, he said that he was... You know, he was falling short of the levels that he expected from himself. He's had a bit of a tough season this year. Um, So far, not getting any World Cup points. Uh, His best result was in Annecy in the sprint. That was 67th. Um, But, you know, a great season from Bernard last year, his best season. Uh, We saw him getting 18th place in the mass start in Beijing. Um, We saw him getting... Good results in Ottawa as well. 21st in the sprint there. 28th in the mass start in Ottawa. He was getting World Cup points fairly regularly and was looking like he was going to be really the, the key man in the uh, in the Canadian team, maybe sort of, you know, taking that mantle um, from Christian and Scott Gow, uh, who've been there for so long. But this season, you know, not living up to his, uh, not living up to what he thought he was going to do. Uh, said he didn't want to start pretending uh, basically implying that he thought he was, uh, you know, not doing justice to the technicians who who take the time to prepare the skis and, and get them prepared for these races. Um, so a real shame, I think, uh, losing Jules Minot, only 26 years old, uh, apparently going, going back to uh, Canada, I think, to be a teacher. So, you know, fair play to him. We all wish him the best there. But, uh, but someone who, you know, on his day looked like he could maybe break into the top 10 if everything went his way. So a real shame that we're not going to see him. And and who knows, maybe, 
you know, step back. He might rethink things and and maybe we'll see him at World Cup level again in the future. Um, so, yeah, some tough news there from the men and women's side. No longer uh, will we see Jules Bonnot or Federica Sanfilippo there. Uh, the other big news, which, uh, again, not, not great news, is that uh, the return of Tyrrell Eckhoff looks no closer. She won't be competing in the World Championships in Oberhof. Maybe not the biggest surprise, but I think really sort of puts the stamp on, on this season for Eckhoff. I doubt we will see her getting back into uh, into race shape before the, the sort of 23-24 season next winter. Um, so yeah, starting off the podcast on a bit of a bleak note there, but let's uh, let's pick things up. We've got the breakdowns now. We'll start off with the guys. They were in individual racing in all the way back to last Wednesday. We had some technical problems. We didn't see the whole thing, but let's get into what happened there now. So we'll all have to delve into the depths of our memories because we're going all the way back to last week on Wednesday when the men got us started with the longest race of the season, the 20k individual. And this one was over pretty early because with bib number three, your overall leader, Johannes Tingersbo, took the victory and crushed everyone on the skis. One minute, 14 seconds ahead of anyone else in terms of ski, ski speed. And with two misses, there was nothing the field could do to stop him taking his eighth win of the season. It wasn't all plain, plain sailing for him, though. He missed his last shot on the first shoot, missed on the last shoot as well, came in with a time of 48 minutes. And that did look beatable. And people had a go because Sterleholm Ligrid came in. He was bib number 13 and had gone clear on the first, second and third shoot. All he needed was the perfect 20 out of 20, but he missed on the final shoot and it would be a fourth place for the man who's been chasing Bo in the overall competition so far. Norway weren't done there though because Vetcher Storshad Christensen was on great form in the individual. Third in terms of ski speed on the day and he was clear through not one but two but three shoots as well as Ligrid, but the pressure got to him on the final shoot. He missed one as well. Could he still do it? Not quite. He came in 10 seconds down on Johannes Tingers. No win again for Christensen this season. It would be Johannes taking the victory. Christensen in second. Jakob Fack rolling back the years for the Slovenian team to get a well-deserved podium. Just uh, one of two men to hit the perfect 20 out of 20 on the day. Ligrid had to make do with fourth. Jacamel with a fantastic fifth to continue his great form and some little crumbs of comfort for the German fans who were out there because Benny Dole came home sick. One miss for him, 56 seconds down. So then we were on to the relay and this one wasn't without its drama because we had the greatest shooter of them all, Sterleholm Ligrid, leading off the Norwegian team. He looked good on the first lap. He looked good in the first shoot. In my notes, I was saying this is the perfect opening leg from Ligrid, controlling the pace, looking calm, looking collected. And then what does he do in the standing shoot? Four misses and he was onto the penalty loop. Leaving the door open for the youngster, Eric Perrault of France, to lead into the first exchange, giving it to the main man of last year, Conton Fiel-Maillet. 
Vilma A didn't do anything wrong either, just one spare needed, and he came into the halfway stage with France leading Finland and Germany into the into the third leg. The third leg, though, it was going to be all changed because Antonin Giganar onto the penalty loop for the French team. That was the end of their challenge, unfortunately. Christensen, though, wasn't messing around. He got the Norwegians back up to the top. Him and Benny Dole coming in neck and neck for the final leg. The final leg, then, for would be Johannes Tinker's bow versus Roman Rees. And unfortunately, if your name's Roman Rees, it's going to be a tough challenge to beat the greatest biathlon in the, biathlete in the world. And Johannes Tingis wasn't putting much of a foot wrong. Two spares needed on the day. There was nothing Roman Rees could do. Johannes Tingis bringing the Norwegian team home for the victory. Great performance from the Germans. The best shooting score on the day. Four spares needed for them. 20 seconds down on the Norwegians. France, nothing they could do with a slightly weakened team. And Giganar on the penalty loop. They came in third place. Sweden getting fourth and Italy with a very, very good fifth. Ranked 13th in the world, fifth place for them. Fantastic. Which left us one race left for the men. It was the master on Sunday. And this one would go in a pretty familiar pattern. We started off lap one and, you know, usually we see a little bit of caginess in that first lap. People slowing things down, not wanting to, uh, not wanting to exert themselves. But that wasn't the case on Sunday, because Johannes Tingers and Vetcher Shawstad Christensen were both hossing it on the first lap, opening up a gap over the field. Got to what I think was about seven, eight, nine, ten seconds. It was down to five seconds as they came into the shoot, and that burst of pace didn't look to do them much good as both of them missed one target, leaving the door open for the French to take control as Filmier, Claude, and Jacques Alain hit the front on lap two. It wouldn't last long though because Johannes Tingers caught and passed them on that lap, bringing a whole penalty loop in on those chasers. He would go into lane one for the second shoot and would not make a mistake there. He came out with Fabian Cloud, Vetchasaursad Christensen for a leading group of three. And then interestingly for Bo, he took it a little bit easy on the next lap, letting Cloud lead for a bit, letting Christensen lead for a bit. But when they came in for the shoot, he was in lane one again, but there was a miss for Johannes. There was a miss for Christensen. There were misses for Cloud. Could anyone take advantage? Ligrid looked like he might, but he missed as well. And so we had a leading group of Tayabo, Sebastian Samuelson, Johannes Tingus, Christensen and Stralia, leading group of five with two laps left. Johannes Tingus wasn't messing around on this lap though. No coasting for him here. He attacked up the second climb of the lap leaving the remaining four in his wake. Strelia couldn't quite keep on pace with the rest of them. He hung back and we had Johannes Tingers coming into the final shoot with a nine second lead over his brother, Christensen and Samuelson. Johannes Tingers missed. Could anyone take advantage? Tayabo missed. Christensen just got them all down. He came out in first, but Johannes Tingers was already powering his way around the penalty loop. Christensen came out with a five-second lead over Johannes Tingers, Taya Bo in third, and Christensen did everything he could to keep Bo at bay, but Bo <laughs> caught him, passed him, no trouble at all. Absolutely destroyed him up the hill, and you could see Christensen, uh, the, sort of, the willpower went out of him there. So Johannes Tingers taking his third victory out of three races for the weekend, 
absolute domination from him there. Christensen with a very good second place. Ligreed overtook Taya on the last lap to come home third. Taya fourth for a Norwegian 1, 2, 3, 4. Jacqueline, the first non-Norwegian flag on the leaderboard in fifth. And Strelia taking a very decent sixth place for Lithuania. So it was pretty much Norwegian domination, the order of the day. Johanna's taking three wins. Norway taking the relay as well. Now let's have a look at uh, who gets my medals for last week's races. So, as I do every week, we've got gold, silver, and bronze awards for the performances of the week. We've also got my unsung hero and my disappointment. And I'm afraid on the men's side, these are going pretty much with the chalk, because with gold, I have to give it to Johannes Tinger's bow. I think now it looks like a foregone conclusion. He's got the overall crystal globe sewn up. And... You know, there were mistakes in the range, but he just looks as good as he's ever looked, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, we saw him with the 16 wins uh, back in the day there, but this looks just as good as that 2017-18 uh, season. Two misses in the individual. It's rare that you see someone take a win with two misses, but he still did it. As I said, one minute 14 ahead of Ponsiloma on the day. When you look at who else, who else was sort of in that race there, You've got Ligreed 1 minute 55 behind him on the skis over the 20 kilometers. Uh, the likes of uh, Dale over two minutes back. Samuelson almost three minutes back. Um, he's just so good on the skis right now that you can't see him being beaten. Um, it looks close on paper when you look at it. Obviously, 9.9 .9 seconds ahead of Christensen, but just a class apart. And it's, it's going to take someone really elevating their ski speed or Johanna's having a, a dip in form for us to get some slightly more competitive races, uh, hopefully in the future. He's taken the best that Ligrid can give him so far this season. I think that in Rupolding this week, we've seen the best that Christensen can give him, and he still finds a way to take two individual victories and crews to the win in the relay. I think if uh, this form continues, we might just have to say that Johannes automatically gets the gold and we'll give it to someone else each week. But he's dominating and you just can't see anyone beating him in any race at the moment. Uh, so hopefully someone can step up. And with the silver medal, the person who stepped up as much as they could, Vetcher Sjorstad Christensen, a valiant effort from him in the individual and in the mass start, obviously going up against one of the greatest of all time. And, you know, we've seen Ligrid trying his best to beat, uh, beat Hammers this year. He's dropped off a tiny bit, and so Christensen's come in to fill that gap now. Great to see him going head-to-head -head with uh, Bo on the skis in the mass start on that first lap. Not much he could do on the last lap. And uh, and as Logrid's found, you could be on your best form, but unless Johannes has essentially just an absolute meltdown in the range, there's not a lot you can do against him right now. Kind of reminds me of that bit in Lord of the Rings where Theoden's sees the... Uh, sees the army in front of him and says, what can man do against such reckless hate? What can biathletes do against such incredible ski speed? When Johannes is on this form, there's nothing you can do. And two second places for Christensen. In the realms of normal people, that's essentially two wins. So he takes my silver medal for performance of the week in Rupolding. In bronze, got to give it to Jakob Fack, who's having a little bit of sort of an Indian summer in his career right now, 35 years old. I think, um, you know, last year was a 
very much a down year for Fak, and definitely wasn't a given that we'd ever see him on the podium again. But uh, on the day, only two guys could hit 20 out of 20. He was one of them and really deserved that podium in the individual. 13th in the mass start as well. He missed two there. That's a solid result for him. Um, but he's doing really well and deserves a bit of a shout out. 87% in both prone and standing shooting this season. Uh, he's had five top 20s in a row now. And as I say, last year was sort of quietly a very bad year for him. He was 50th overall. Uh, he's got his ski speed back up. His shooting stats are up as well. He's 18th in the world right now. And, uh, and yeah, a shame that he didn't do better in Pokyuka, I think, in front of those home fans. But really good to see him up on the podium in Germany. Moving on to the unsung hero, and actually just behind Fak in the overall race at the moment, is Florent Cloud of Belgium. Uh, obviously formerly of France, brother of uh, Fabien Cloud, Emilien Cloud. And in the same way that Fak sort of, uh, you know, flying under the radar a bit, Cloud's having a quietly brilliant year so far. He's got 91% shooting overall this year. That was after 82% last year. His speed's also up. He's got 285 points already by far his best season. And, you know, he's uh, someone that you, you see cropping up in the relays every now and again. And I think especially if him and Lotta Lee can have a great day in the World Championships, they could be a real surprise in the single mixed relay. Um, so Florent Cloud, you know, he's 31 now, doesn't get a lot of love, had to go over to Belgium because he couldn't get into the French team, but really, really great season from him so far this season, so he gets the Unsung Hero Award. On to the bad news and the disappointment, and while Norway dominated pretty much every race, top three in the mass start, top two in the individual, winning the relay, my disappointment of the week is Philip Fjeld Anderson. Uh, yeah, just a, a bit of a weird week in all. He got tangled up with Ligreed in the range in the individual. I think it was on the third shoot. Uh, Ligreed, I think, might have just gone over the back of his skis. You could see Anderson shouting at him. And I don't know if that rattled him or something, but it just went from bad to worse for there. He had six misses in the individual, 65th place on the day. That's his worst result ever in terms of youth races, IBU Cup races and World Cup races. Uh, obviously no place for him in the relay on that form, and then finished last by over 30 seconds in the mass start. He had eight misses in the mass start. And, you know, this season could get away from him if he's not careful. He lost the blue bib uh, for under 25 races to Hartbeg uh, over, uh, over the course of last week. He suddenly dropped up down to 14th uh, in the overall after being as high as fourth, and just really needs to get back on track fast, because there's you know, I, I don't know what there is, 5, 10, 50, 100 Norwegians, all capable of taking his place in the team if he doesn't get back to form soon. And this is a cutthroat team. We've seen very good biathletes lose their place, Bjontegaard, obviously, in recent times. And Anderson's still young. He's obviously got great talent. You could see him even taking a win this season, getting back to form. But, um, but yeah, weird weekend for him, I think, in, in all. And, and he wants to get back to form soon because, you know, as we'll see in the IBU Cup, Norwegians are, are winning there and they, they want that place that he's got. So that's the men's races. Not the most exciting, unfortunately, but thankfully the women's mass start really brought the drama. So let's get into the recap of all of the women's races right now.
In the men's race, it was all about the ski speed, but in the women, it was a battle of the sharpshooters because you were gonna need a perfect score to win this one. Who was gonna do it? We had my favorite for the win, Dorothea Vera, first of the big names up. She'd gone clear through three shoots, but couldn't get it done on the last, missing on the final shoot, and she had to settle for fourth place. Roisland, again, couldn't do it, missed one on the third shoot. Ski speed still not quite there for the Norwegian, she was eighth place on the day. But then it was our overall leader, Julia Simon. What could she do? Clear after three shoots. The win was there, beckoning, but one miss on the final shoot. And the French woman was have to be a, it would be a nervous wait for her as the other big names came in. And the big names were coming because Lisa Vitozzi, after her absolute nightmare in the Pocuca sprint, four misses in the prone there. We all had a had our breath held but she went clear on the first shoot, clear on the second shoot, and clear on the final two shoots as well, as Vitozzi came home with the clear shoot, 40 minutes, and the win, her first win in four years. Great to see the Italian back up onto the top step of the podium. Simone in second at that point, but it wasn't to last, because our own teammate, Wood Gazumpa, Lou Jean Manot, taking her first podium of her young career, clear shoot from the French woman. Her shooting's been fantastic this year. Second place for Jean Manot, Simone having to settle for third, but in terms of the overall race, it was a good third for her because Elvira with one miss, struggling on the skis with what we would find out was a bit of a cold as well, could only manage sixth place. Vera in fourth, Hannah in fifth, Elvira in sixth, and Simone's lead in the overall race would be extended. So Vitozzi took the win and we were on to the relay and there was no Julia Simon for the French team and no Elvira Erberg for the Swedish team. So the race was open, you might think. Lap one, who did we have? Lou Jean Manot, oh, fresh off of her fantastic podium and she meant business here as well. No spares needed for Jean Manot as she took the French team into the first exchange with a lead. Wasn't all plain sailing for the rest of the teams though. Sweden, Mona Brawson struggled for pace this season, but her shooting's been good. It wasn't good in the relay, though. She took to the penalty loop, and Sweden were right at the back of the field in 17th at the first exchange. On to the second leg, Chloe Chevalier. No spares needed yet again, often the forgotten woman of the French team, but she wasn't forgetting to hit the targets. France into the halfway stage with a lead. Lisa Vitozzi, 27 seconds behind her, and Norway looming in third. The third leg, Roiseland versus Passler for Italy versus Chavot for France. And Chavot, the speed was there, but the shooting wasn't not one, but two penalty loops for Sophie Chavot, and France's challenge went up in flames. She was in tears because of it, not you know, she's a young athlete, not necessarily her fault, but unlucky for France. They were all the way down in sixth, over a minute behind Norway, because Roiseland was on good form, not to needing any spares. But call out here for Rebecca Passler, who did fantastically well. She was ex she took the exchange 20 seconds behind France. She gave over to Dorothea Vera 29 seconds behind Norway. That's a fantastic performance for Italy. And we were on to the final leg with Tandravold half a minute ahead of Vera and about 40 seconds ahead of Denise Herman Vic. Into the shooting, Tandravold, perfect. She took the victory. One, one hour, eight minutes into the race. 
Germany with Hermann Vick would just overtake Italy, sprinting, out-sprinting them to the lead to get a second place for them. Good result, Italy in third. Switzerland with a fantastic fourth place. Berserga, the two Gasparin sisters, and Elena Heike Gross in fourth. Czech Republic fifth, and we had to go all the way down to sixth place, where we had France and Sweden just behind them in seventh after Mona Borsen's struggles on the first leg. So good relay. Would we have a good mass start? You're damn right we would have a good mass start. No Elvira Erberg, unfortunately, out with that cold. A chance for Julia Simon to pull out her lead in the overall, and she was stretching out the field on lap one. Put in the pain into the field, but it put the pain into her as well because she would miss one, Vera would miss two, and Lisa Vitozzi, the individual winner, would lead the field onto the second lap. We had a big group at the front, but one of them was falling because Lisa Teresa Hauser had a tough break on lap two, falling on the on the bend. Don't know if Anais Chevalier-Boucher might have had something to do with it, but Hauser went down, lost the ski pole, lost about 10 seconds to the group, and soon enough she had Julia Simon skiing past her because Simon was doing her best impression of Johannes Tinger's blow off of the penalty loop and trying to catch the leaders, catching them for about 11 seconds on the lap. Into shoot two, three of the leading four, Tandrevold, Heike, Anesha Valley-Boucher, all missed. Vitozzi went clear, but Simon was shooting insanely fast, catching Vitozzi, and they went out one and two onto the third lap. Hauser recovering nicely from a fall, hit five out of five. She was in third, 14 seconds behind the two leaders. And on the set, on lap three, those leaders were pushing the pace. Hauser in third was losing all sorts of time to them. And we had a two-person battle at the front, Simon versus Vitozzi into the third shoot. One miss each, but the chasers couldn't catch them. Simon leading by three seconds on Vitozzi, with Chevalier Boucher rebounding to get into third ahead of Vanessa Voigt. Onto the onto the second lap, uh, sorry, not the second lap, the fourth lap. Vitozzi was doing well. I thought Simon might just ski away from her, but Vitozzi only losing three seconds to the French woman. And we were into the final shoot with Simon, the chance to take the victory. She hit one, she hit two, she hit three, she missed the fourth, hit the fifth, but it was the penalty loop for Simon. Could Vitozzi take advantage? She had a problem with her last bullet. Hit four out of five, couldn't get the last bullet away, had to put a spare in. She hit the fifth one, but that last time would come back to bite her. She came out with Simon off the penalty loop and Anaisha Valier-Boucher for company, and we had a three-way battle for the victory. Finally, a great last lap for the biathlon here. It was Simon leading from the front at the start, but she wouldn't have it all away because Anaisha Valier-Boucher overtook her teammate to lead up the first hill. There was nothing between the three of them. They went up the penultimate climb and it looked like Fatotsi might just be losing touch, but she got straight back onto the skis of Simon and attacked up the final climb. And Nei Chevalier-Boucher couldn't hold on to the pace. And we had a two-way battle. Simon, Vitozzi down the final descent. Simon with the slightly better skis took the lead, took the sprint, took the victory. 90 points for Simon. No Elvira there, and she had a 141-point lead in the overall. Vitozzi coming home for second place. An amazing result for Vitozzi. Chevalier-Boucher couldn't quite hang on on that final lap. She had to make do with third. Lynn Person getting back to her form. She came in fourth ahead of Vanessa Voigt and Hannah Erberg in sixth. 
great race there in the mass start for the women. If you didn't get a chance to see it, I would go back and watch it. Race of the season, that's debatable, but it was definitely up there with the best. Now let's get in to my awards and medals for the women's races last week. Starting off with the gold medal, I don't think there's any doubt here. It's got to be Lisa Vitozzi. Like I said in the re- in the recap there, after the absolute shocker she had in the sprint in Pogyuka, we were all holding her breath when she came into that first pro shoot in the individual. What a way to react for the Italian. Absolutely perfect in the individual. Clear shoot, first win in four years. Skiing as well as she has, I think, in those four years as well. And then it didn't stop there. A good run in the relay, bringing Italy another podium in the relay. That women's team looking really, really good. A second place in the mass start. And her tactics on the last lap, I thought, were really, really good. I think her skis in the end of, at the end of the day weren't quite as good as Simone's. She kind of lost it on the, uh, the final downhill into the sprint finish. But there was a point in that last lap where it looked like she'd lost it. They went up the penultimate climb. There's a hairpin bend and then a shot that sent afterwards. She just lost the skis of Chevalier Boucher and Simone, but did so well to get back on form with them and then attacked straight away. Um, and that's just the kind of skiing that you love to see from anyone in the field, but especially from Vitozzi, who's had real troubles over the last couple of years. Um, Back to third in the overall as well. Red hot form going into her home races in Antos this week. Um, And from here, you've got to say that she might not have quite the ski speed of the likes of Simone, Herman Vick, definitely Elvira when she's recovered. But when it comes to the individual race in the World Championships in Oberhof in a a couple of weeks now, I think Vitozzi has to be the favourite. Her shooting's just been so good this year. And, uh, and it's great to see her winning again after uh, after so long. Silver medal. Could have gone for Julia Simon here, but I'm ducking Simon points for not competing in the relay. So silver medal, I'm giving it to Lou Jean-Manot, whose season is just going from strength to strength right now. First podium at World Cup level in the individual. So well deserved for her. I think, you know, you can say that it's helpful for an athlete to have all of the information. Uh, Jean Manot was the, you know, she went a little bit later, Bib 37. So she knew what Vitozzi had done. She knew what Simone had done. She knew all of those timings. And that's a lot of pressure for a, for a young athlete to deal with. She dealt with it so well. Not just a purely shooting result for her either. The ski speed was good. She's ninth quickest ski speed in the individual, faster than the likes of Tandrevold, uh, Marieda, who's been one of the fastest skiers this year. And then really backed up that with a perfect opening leg in the relay. And I was so impressed with Jean Manot in the relay because it's one thing to look at the field and say, okay, you're up against the likes of Amy Berserger, Njotun, Mona Brawson, Kimona for Italy. These aren't huge names. And Jean Manot on, you know, on form was the best athlete in that opening leg. But she also went out there and skied like it and shot like it. she she really paced the field well. She led from the front. She wanted she wanted to go at her pace. She backed that up in the range. No spares needed. And I think it was just a really, really mature performance from her in the relay. That's the kind of opening leg that you really want. And I think she's locked down that place. Obviously, we unfortunately saw the troubles that Chabot had 
uh, on leg three. There might be some some changes in that. Obviously, Simon will come back into the team. Um, but yeah, Jean Manot, I think, just looks like a lock for that opening leg of the relay. Really great performance. The mass start as well. It was a decent result from her there. She didn't pull up any, any trees necessarily. 13th place, four misses. But that's just more World Cup points for her. And uh, just fantastic, fantastic week for Jean Manot. And her and Chavot just... An absolute breath of fresh air into this French team. And talking of the French team, with my bronze medal, I'm going to give it to Julia Simon. Had to, really. Couldn't leave her out. As I say, she could have been higher up, but she didn't didn't go into the relay. So I'm going to dock her a couple of points for that and, and put her into bronze here. But really, really impressive couple of races for Simon. She looked so tired in Pocuca. And to rebound here with a podium in the individual, which so easily could have been a win. Um, I think when she came in with the lead, a lot of people thought that would have been the win. Then she was resting for the relay. I thought, oh, is there a little bit of a worry with her conditioning? And then she comes into the mass start and just dominates the field, stamped her authority on it from lap one, went out. Elvira, she knew Elvira was out. She went out. She stretched the field on lap one, made mistakes in the range, but backed it up on the skis. And when your main rival for the overall Crystal Globe's out, getting the win is the, the perfect result for her, really. And as I say, she's now 141 points in the lead. We've only got four meets left in terms of World Cup racing. Uh, five if you include the World Championships, but they don't count this year towards that uh, rating. And Simone now does look definitely like the favourite for that overall victory. I did put a better on her at the start of the year, so I've got my fingers crossed for that as well. Um, in terms of the unsung hero, I've talked about Eucalyx Slettermark probably a little bit too much on this podcast, but as I say, I love the smaller nations getting in, and this was Greenland getting an amazing result. Slettermark's best ever result by an absolute mile in the individual. She was 21st after a perfect shoot. That beat her previous best of 53rd, which came in the Olympics in Beijing. Really, really good for her. She's been up and down from the IBU Cup into the World Cup back again. She's just 21 years old. And I think, you know, for all of the British listeners out there, we don't have any Brits in the field anymore. Anyone else listening who's got no one to root for from their own country, I think we're all officially Greenlandic now because Slettermark, brilliant result. Great to see that Greenland flag coming up on the leaderboard there. And that result got her into the mass start. And if anything... I think the mass start might have been more impressive than what she did in the individual. Uh, in the individual, you know, you can kind of ski your own race. You're a little bit isolated from what's happening around you. You can go in. She's great in the range. She can hit the perfect 20, and that result kind of uh, makes itself. But in the mass start, you're right in amongst it. You've got the top 30 athletes in the world all, all around you. And she was totally unfazed. Three misses on the day, 28th. Not the perfect race, but a really, really good race. I mean, on commentary, they were talking early, you know, might she be lapped? This is kind of a new territory for her to be racing in. But she didn't look out of place at all. As I say, 28th, fantastic weekend for Slettermark. Great weekend for Greenland. Really, really happy with that. And hopefully she can uh, just go on and get better and better from here. In terms of the disappointment... It would be harsh to give it to Elvira Roberg, but we've got to mention her here in terms of disappointments. Out with a cold, obviously that's not her fault at all, but really losing ground in the race with Simone. 
still uncertain if she'll line up in the sprint on Thursday. Uh, she's in the squad, but Stina Nilsson is kind of in, in reserve, ready to uh, travel to Antolts if Elvira doesn't make that start. And it felt like this could be the moment that she loses out in that race with Simone for the overall Crystal Globe. I'm hoping it goes right to the wire. That's what we all want to see. Obviously, Simone's my favourite because there's money on it, but uh, but I want to see Elvira back to her best. And hopefully she's ready to uh, she's ready for the sprint on Thursday in Anholtz. Um, and we'll see her there. In terms of the biggest disappointment, though, I'm not giving it to Elvira. Unfortunately, I've got to give it to my pick for the win in the individual, which was Dorothy Elvira. Well and truly outstaged by Vitozzi. She missed four in the... Uh, no, she didn't miss four. Sorry, she missed seven in the mass start. Her worst shooting performance of the season. I knew that sounded wrong when I said it. Missing uh, missing a huge amount of targets in the mass start. That's not what we normally see from, uh, from Vera. Two in the first shoot. Then she went clear, but it just just didn't look like she was at the races at all there. And we, we've seen this every now and again from Vera, but I really thought she was coming into form. I thought this was... Maybe a chance for a win in the individual, but it just didn't didn't quite happen at all. Thought that that was going to be the start of it, but maybe it's just a bit of a false dawn. Obviously, as I mentioned at the start, publicly calling out the, uh, the sort of coaches and the the top brass in the Italian squad after the San Filippo retirement. It's you know it's a, a dicey look for her at the moment. And as I said in the opening, there I I do wonder if she was looking towards the Olympics, her home Olympics. Now I'm wondering if she's not happy with the way the team's going. Obviously, there's a focus on youth there. And, and you know, this could be the last season that we see uh, Vera in World Cup biathlon. Hopefully not. But uh, but she does take the disappointment of the week because I thought she was going in for a victory. Um, but it all sort of fell apart for her there. That's all the races from Rupolding wrapped up. We also had uh, IBU Cup racing. So let's take a look at what they were doing over in Pocuca. So welcome everybody into the warm embrace of IBU Cup Corner and we'll look into how everyone was doing in what is kind of Biathlon's second division. They were racing over in Pogyuka, the relocated races there after Shushan was cancelled at the start of the season. Short individual followed by two sprint races and on the men's side it was absolute domination from the Norwegians yet again. They won three races out of three, and there were Norwegian flags littering the podium and the top ten in all three races. First two victories going to Sondra Fjellheim Jorda. Uh, that's his second and third wins at IBU Cup level after he won in Bresno last year. He looked like he was going to make it three wins out of three as well in the final sprint, but two misses in the stand meant that Vebjorn Sørum could take a victory after just one miss. He beat uh, former World Cup participant Alexander Fjeld Anderson by just seven seconds. Anderson going clear there. So it was two third places and a win for the 24-year-old Serum, capping off a pretty great week for him. In the overall race, though, it was a tough week for our leader, Andre Stromsheim, whose lead was eaten into by his Norwegian rival Mats Overby, now just 90 points behind on the women's side, with her main rival Maren Kirkady racing in the big leagues, and it was a 50th place in the individual for Kirkady. Very decent first World Cup race for her, missing three there. 
Um, in IBU Cup terms, uh, it looked like Jean Guigana had a chance to put some distance between herself and the chasing pack in the overall race. But the French woman can only manage two 15th and a 14th place. And we have less than 100 points now covering the top four. With Guigana leading Sweden's Tilde Johansson, Maren Kirkady in third, and Paula Brote in fourth. In the individual race, it was Italy's Hannah Alcantara getting her first victory after last week's second place in the sprint. A perfect shoot, giving her the win over Germany's Hannah Kevinger. Kevinger would, though, go one better in the first sprint, shooting 9 out of 10 for the win there. And in the second sprint, it was another second place for Kevinger, who we'll see in World Cup action in Antolz. She was miles off the winner, though, with two misses. The winner, Francis Paula Bote, fourth place in the overall, shooting clear in the second sprint and taking the win by 42 seconds. For Sweden fans, it was a decent return to the IBU cut level for Stina Nielsen. Bad start, she missed six in the individual and finished all the way down in 35th, but she had a fifth and a ninth in the two sprints. So that's IBU Cup Corner finished off for you. Now let's take a look at my best bets for next week's, well, this week's races over in Antolz. So we're already on to round six of the 2022-23 Biathlon World Cup season, and it's Italy this week because we are in Antolz Anta Selva. We've got sprints, pursuits, and relays to look forward to. The women kick us off on Thursday with the sprint. Then it's the men's turn on Friday. We've then got pursuits on Saturday with relays wrapping things up on Sunday. And in terms of the odds, let's look start off with the women's race on Thursday. For the first time this season, Elvira Erberg is not your favourite because our World Cup leader, Julia Simon, is. She's at 5-2. to two. Elvira suffering with that cold at 4-1. to one. And Denise Hermanvik, third favourite at 6-1. to one. And Simon, obviously, the favourite for a reason. She looks in great form at the moment. But I actually quite like the odds 6-1 to one there for Denise Hermanvik to take the victory. She had the fastest time in the individual over in Rupolding. Struggled a bit in the shooting, but I wonder how much of that is down to those home fans and the pressure that that entails. Uh, she then didn't take part in the mass start, but from what I can tell, trying to look into that, it looks like from the noise that's coming out of the German camp that this was rest over illness, I think. Um, said she wasn't in condition for the race, but didn't actually mention anything specific uh, like the Swedish team did with Elvira. So I think she'll be good to go come Thursday, already has a win and a third place in sprints this year. And I think, as I say, with Elvira doubtful, uh, maybe a bit under the weather still, Simone in good form, I think her biggest her biggest rival might be Herman in this one. In terms of an outside bet, I like third place, Chevalier Boucher, third place in the mass start over in Rupolding. She's at 20 to 1 for the win on Thursday. Hasn't quite had the results that it deserves, but She's having the best season that she's had in years. Ski speed's the fastest it's been since the pandemic. The shooting's also way up from where it has been the last couple of years. Uh, it was 80% two years ago, 82% last year. She's now all the way up to 87%. So while we haven't really seen her competing for victories up until the, the mass start on Sunday, uh, it's been, it's been, she's been sort of it there and thereabouts. Uh, Six years since her only win at the World Cup level. I think another one is well overdue. 
and maybe it comes for her in Antalts on Thursday. In terms of a long shot, got to give a shout out here to Sophie Chaveau. Uh, she's around 80 to 1 for the win. Absolutely distraught after her performance in the relay. She was on the penalty loop twice there, but she skied brilliantly in the mass start. Really good way to rebound. She was the second fastest on the skis, only to Simone. And it really all comes down to what she can do in the standing shoot. Uh, she's shooting well in the prone, 88% at the moment, 76% in the stand, though. And so, you know, a perfect shoot could see her in play for the win. As I say, 80 to 1, decent odds there. Top three around 9 to 1 could definitely be in play as well with one miss. Uh, Cheval, I think, had such an amazing time in Annecy, but she's really continuing that form. Her ski speed's only only getting better, really. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time before we see her on the podium there. In terms of the relay, Norway, they had a great relay last week, but it feels like there's a mistake in there. They're often on the penalty loop. Um, so I'm not sure they can take back-to-back -back victories. With France, it will be interesting to see what team they pick. Chavot obviously having her struggles last week. Chloe Chevalier might be the one that drops out with Simone coming in, but she was perfect on the second leg there. Um, so it's really a battle, I think, between Chloe Chevalier, Sophie Chavot. Um, Chevalier, reliable? Do you drop someone who's not done anything wrong? Or do you go with the sort of higher ceiling in terms of the ski speed of Chavot? I think, unfortunately, for the youngster, it might be, might be her that drops out and Chloe Chevalier uh, continuing there on leg two with Simone coming in for the anchor leg and Chevalier Boucher being shifted onto the third leg. I think they might be my favourite if that's the way they line up. Uh, Norway obviously are going to be competitive. Roysland, you'd assume, is only going to be getting better and better. And then the outside bet there is Italy. I mean, interesting to see what they'll do. They went with Vitozzi on the second leg and Vera on the anchor leg last week. They've sort of mixed things around, shifted things around. Kamola and Passler have both been excellent. Um, so they could all they could be the dark horse for the win. I think the podium again for them is definitely in play as they've been so good this year. On to the men's races, and uh, it won't come as any surprise to anyone that your favourite for the men's sprint on Friday is Johannes Tingers bow. He's at one to two for the victory there. So that means that uh, you're not going to make a lot of money backing him, but you'd be pretty hard pushed to back anyone else in the form he's in. Uh, your other favourites, Stella Holm Ligreed and Vettler Shawstad Christensen, both at 7-1. to one. As I say, you can't back anyone but both for the victory here. Christensen may have jumped ahead of Ligreed in terms of, you know, if we were talking about boxing, he's kind of the number one contender right now. So of the two of them, I'd be backing Christensen. But unless Bo misses... What, two, three in the range. It, you'd have to be a brave person to uh, to back anyone else but the Norwegian there. In terms of the outside bets, it's really weird looking at the at the odds right now. As I say, Johanna's one to two, and then Ligrid and Christensen at seven to one. You then go all the way back to twenty-five to one for the uh, the fourth favourite, where you've got a group of Fiume, Sebastian Samuelson, Jacqueline, Taliabo, and Ponsiloma all at 25 to 1, really shows you that the bookies have no idea in terms of that secondary group who, who's sort of more likely to, to make that jump up. In terms of ski speed, Ponsiloma's the fastest on the skis right now. He was second to Johanna's in the individual, but his shooting's just been so bad lately that 
he's a tough man to uh, to predict anything other than you know a struggle on the range again. Jacqueline though, he's an interesting case. He came fifth in the uh, the mass start there, his first race since he had an awful time in the sprint in Pompeuca. And the noises coming out of his camp and that he's making do do make you think that maybe he can do something. He was so downbeat after that sprint in Pocuca, saying he wasn't enjoying biathlon, saying he needed to find that spark since his world championship victories in the pursuit. He just hasn't really enjoyed it. After the mass start, he's sounding positive again, said that he's enjoying it, said that he's starting to uh, to like the uh, the cut and thrust of biathlon again. So it's, you know, it's it's a roller coaster with Jacqueline. He's up, he's down. But if he's up, he likes Antolz. Two medals in the World Championships there in 2020. Obviously, the one win there and the uh, and the bronze in the mass start. So he could be someone to back, maybe for the podium rather than the win. But Jacqueline, you know, if his tail's up, if he's enjoying Baffron again, he's one of the most dangerous men in the field and could really bring it to Johannes. And that really sets us up nicely for the World Championships if he does. In terms of a long shot, I'm going to go here with the uh, with the German Benny Dahl, 33 to one for the victory. He's in great ski form, uh, second fastest to Johannes in the mass start. Um, pressure of the fans, I think, maybe got to him. He had five misses in the mass start there, but with that relieved, maybe a podium could be his. And if people have off days, then who knows? Maybe that win could be could be between the likes of a of a Benny Dahl and a Jacqueline. In terms of the relay. Unfortunately, I've got no good news for anyone other than Norway fans here. It's Norway all the way for me. Even when things go wrong, when Ligrid's on the penalty loop early, it was still a pretty easy win for the Norwegian team. They're just so deep right now. They've got Dale waiting in the wings. I doubt he gets into the team, but he's there. Obviously, Philip Field Anderson, I mentioned, he's off the boil a little bit. But even if they rest athletes, they've got more than capable people to come in for them there. Um, and I just can't see anyone beating them. I doubt Ligrid has another bad day on the range. But even if someone does, they can get bailed out later down the line. If it's a real catastrophe for the Norwegian team, then I think France is your, the next bet there. If Jacqueline's back in, if he's feeling good, then I think France are probably the best of the rest. But it's going to be a struggle for anyone to uh, to beat that Norwegian team, I think. Those are my best bets. Get in touch with yours. Uh, that's all the World Cup action done for now, though. I think that's everything done for me. I'll see you down the road after the Antots races next Tuesday. Hope you all have a great week, and I'll see you then.